of God. And sometimes we almost become mad or offended. And he said, he told the man this. He said, if I can get you to believe what I say, your situation will change. If you keep believing what you're believing, he said, you will die. So we've got to be willing to see what God says in order to experience what God has. There's no special cases. God is the same. He doesn't change. Oh, but it's so glorious when we do let God be God. The man changed what he was believing, and it doesn't take long periods of time for it to happen. Changed what he believed, and the power of God ministered to him, and he was healed right then. But he kept on believing what he wanted to believe when he came in, and he would walk out the same way that he that he was when he came in. Even though the power of God was there, I think I'm about to break every chain. Break every chain. Yes, amen. Lift every burden. Break every chain. Yes, That's the anointing. Amen. The anointing is there to lift the burden off. The, the anointing is there to break that yoke. In fact, it goes on farther and it says, and the yoke is destroyed. Because once it's destroyed, where are you going to put it back? You ain't got nothing to put back. It's just been bowed up. And Humpty Dumpty and all his men couldn't find it back together again. I'm doing my nursery right. What can I say? Let's continue in worship. And let's receive our offering. Because this is an opportunity for you to sow something into the kingdom of God. I need to stop again. <coughs> you can go ahead and get your offer now. But I'm going to tell you this at the same time. R.W. Shambach was giving this testament. I'm going to give you a short version of it. He said there was this woman who came with a to the Birmingham Alabama. And he said that this lady had been there all week long. And she got up with Brother Shambach and said, the man of God, Brother A. A. Allen, has not prayed for my child. He said, I promise you this, if he doesn't pray for your child in the service tonight, I will take your child to him and have the man of God pray for him. He said, when, and um, she said, well, I only have $20 left to my name, and I've got to go back to Knoxville, Tennessee, and the baby's got a, a doctor's appointment, and this is our last $20. And he said, the service started. Brother Allen came out, and he said, um, 
He never did this, but he did this that night. He said, give God your best offering. He said that woman was in the back of the auditorium, and she ran up there to the front and put her money in that, in that plate and went back. And Brother Allen started it. He would, he, would, he would see things in the spirit. And he said, um, I'm going on. I see something. And Brother Shambach said, he's going on another trip. He said, I see this great big white building. He said, it's a hospital. There's a baby in there. Doctors are around it saying that this baby can't live. Said that this baby's got one, two, went on up to 26 diseases that were in his body. He said, uh, that baby's in this auditorium. Mama, bring that baby here. Said he took that baby and held that baby in his arm. That baby was in a fetal position, tongue hanging out of its mouth, no genital organs, blind, deaf, and he said, bones started cracking. You could hear the power of God going through that body. Thank you. He said, and he looked, and he, he saw the eyes, and those gray eyes that were blind started like whirlpools. And he said if he knew if the, those eyes cleared up, those ears was going to pop open. And the long and the short of it was every disease, and that tongue that was there snapped back in its mouth. And when they finished, put the baby down on the stage, and the baby ran over and jumped in its mama's arms and said, Mama, can you imagine how that mama felt? Never, that baby had never heard before. Never heard mama. Ran to her, jumps in her arms. Before that, Brother Shambach said, one day, he said he jumped off of the stage and looked down in that bucket and there was a $20 bill. She sold everything that she had. Now, if it's just money and you always look at it as money, that's all that it will ever be is money. But for that mother, it wasn't just money. And to God, it's not just money. It was seed. She sowed the seed. What was the harvest? Her child was healed of 26 different diseases. Before she left, she said different people came up to talk to her. And they shook her hand. And when they shook her hand, they'd be putting a piece of money in her hand. Drop it. She got her $20 back. It got so many that she took her purse and they just kept, kept dropping money and dropping money and dropping money. She went to the bathroom because she didn't want camera out right there. She said, uh, Brother Shambach, I just wanted you to know she wrote him a letter. You can't outgive God. 
now. I say that just to encourage us. Don't never look at your gift as just, I'm putting some money in the plate. Because that's, that's all it is. That's all it will ever be. But believing God that he's going to do something in your life. Mix some faith with it. And be believing God that he's going to do something. Because he's a supernatural God. He's able to do supernatural things. So, I want us to sow now into the kingdom of God. Be expecting God to do some great things in your life. Not only does he want to bless you spiritually, but he wants us blessed financially in every area of our life. Look at yourself as free. Look at yourself as delivered. Not in bondage of any shape, form, or fashion by the power of God. At the children of Israel. And now... God is prophesying to them that there's going to be a change. Things are not going to be the way that they've been for the last while. For years they had been robbed. For years they had suffered lack. For years they had done without. Much of it was because of their own doings. There's a lot of things that we, that we go through in life, and sometimes we're our worst enemy. But God was saying there to the children of Israel, I want you to change your sights. I want you to change your focus. Because I'm getting ready to do something in your life. Now, for God to be able to do something in your life, even something that he prophesies, there's got to be cooperation on our end. God is not going to make us do something that we don't want to do. He will encourage us to step out and do something that we, want, that we don't want to do. He might even lead us that way, but he will never make you do something that you want to do that you don't want to do. Now the devil will drive you and compel you to do something that you don't want to do and always pressure you. But God will not. He will lead you. He will lead you because he's a shepherd. He will lead you like sheep. He will lead us like sheep. He is the good shepherd. But he wants us to have a want to, a willingness to. So there's got to be a cooperation on our part to side in with him. And one of the, one of the biggest things that we sometimes face in life and in our growth and our relationship with God deals with the trust factor. Lord, I know you did it for him, or I know you did it for her, but I'm not sure that you'll do it with me. And brothers and sisters, we all face, we all face things like that. But the word of God has a way of changing the picture. 
because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or hearing what God says. Because when we hear what God says, it's got something that's inside of it. There's a faith element that's there that you can't get any other way. And for the change to take place, there's got to be accompanying faith in what God said. Is God going to lead me this far and leave me out to dry? Leave me out in the cold? Am I going to sit right here on the edge of this? No. If he has to, he'll open up the Red Sea. If he has to, he'll feed us with a bird. If he has to, he'll deliver us from the lion's mouth. He's good to his word. But it takes that cooperation on our part to side in with him. And uh, I showed this. You don't know me, but I'm going to ask you to come up here and help me. I'm embarrassed you right now. This gentleman right here. Come on. Huh? He won't do it? Sorry. I don't know you well enough. Curtis, come on. Don't this one, though. <laughs> Curtis, mm -hmm. I want you to take and just fall back on me. Just relax and fall back on me. Now, why did you do that? I hope you catch me. <laughs> I knew you'd catch me. You knew I would do my best to catch you. So you trusted what I was saying. He didn't know me well enough, so I would have embarrassed him. And that was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. And God is asking us to trust him. He's got a lot bigger arms and a lot bigger hands than I've got. He's more faithful than I am. Thank you, you He doesn't want us just to be scared of him. He wants us to trust him. Now, I want us to take a look just a little teeny bit closer at this text that we have. We started on this journey this morning, but we're going to tie in with just a few more things tonight. Verse number 26. And, sh and ye shall eat in plenty. Now, look at the contrast. <clears throat> The people had been in slavery. The people had been in famine. The people had walked through all different types of catastrophes. And God now 
was saying to them, things are going to change. The scenery is going to change. You shall eat in plenty. You ever seen a picture of plenty? Homecoming. Dinner on the ground. Mama's house. Christmas. Something of that sort. If you didn't eat everything, it was because you couldn't hold everything. Because it was all there for you. All you had to do was fill your plate up and eat. Now God here is prophesying to the people there's going to be plenty. I bet there were still people that suffered lack because they wouldn't take of the things of God. But we're not going to be like that. Amen. We're not going to be like those who shrink back. But we're going to trust in God. Because he's got our best interests at heart. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Now I, look, I have seen pictures of people that were in concentration camps, the Holocaust, prisoners of war, and I have seen how they starved people literally to the point of death, that they were nothing but bones, skin and bones, sunken in all over their body, wasting away. Here, God is saying, you're going to eat and be satisfied. But I'm going to tell you, this is a picture of some of the things that the children of Israel and all had walked through. Imagine this. Now, this is, this is gory, grotesque. When a mother would take and turn and eat her own child because she was starving is a dark picture. The people had walked through things like that. Bird poop was sold for so much money so that they could take it and make soup out of it. The jawbone of a donkey sold for so much money so that they could make soup out of it. In one place I had heard, heard of, one archaeologist was, was talking about that the, uh, the king allowed the people to take their children's fingers and cut some of their fingers off to put it in there for to make a soup out of it. People have been through horrible things, brothers and sisters, but God said the picture's changing. Thank you, Lord. The picture is changing. Will we believe what he says? So that we can experience that change. Thank you, Lord. Sure, we've been through some horrible places. But God was speaking a word to these people because a word from God, one word from God, can change the scenery of everything around you. Thank you, Lord. Thank and sometimes the lenses that we're looking through is such an influence on what we see. 
Now we'll move on. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. I've been told this that shame is the root of every problem and every addiction that somebody has in their life. Now when I say every problem, I'm talking about in the, in the area of vices and things of that sort that people struggle with and fight. That shame, psychologists and psychiatrists say, is that is the root of it. So if you can change the root, you can change the fruit. So God is endeavoring to change the root of the problem. He's wanting us to see something from another perspective and another point of view. It's his perspective, his point of view. Because I can safely say, God has a beautiful picture for every person that's in here. And for even more. Amen. For every one of our lives, God's got a, a beautiful picture that he's already planned out for it. And he sees the, the end from the beginning. See, we don't see it all because we don't see the end. <coughs> but God sees the end. And now he's doing his best to maneuver us along this path to get us to that end. And the enemy, John 10, 10, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy we learned last Sunday night that he comes to steal the word. Because if he can steal the word, he can steal your harvest. If he can steal the word, he can steal your harvest. If he can steal your dream, he can steal your vision. He can steal what you see. And he's a thief and he'll use any means that he can to steal those things away from us because he doesn't want us to see what God sees for us. And sometimes we play into his hand and we keep looking through those lenses of shame. And God is the cure for shame. But we're the ones who have to experience that. We have to accept it. If you could change something in your life yourself, you would have already changed it. But God is saying, I want you to change it. Let me help you. You don't have to keep going through this. Let me help you. I know the way to do this. You can't do it yourself. But if you'll follow my instructions, I'll lead you right past, right through this. 
I heard somebody uh, share something one time, and it was so encouraging. He said, God has a way, and he said that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God spoke to him, and he said, if you would learn to listen to my voice and follow my leading, he said, I'd lead you right through the fire, and you would be smell like smoke. Let me say that again. Catch that with your heart. If you'll learn to listen to his voice and follow the leading of his spirit, he would walk you right through the fire, and you wouldn't even smell like smoke. Oh, could this ever happen to anybody? How in the world could something like this take place? Do you remember the story of the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace? And it was heated up. And the king looked in and said, there was three when we throw them in there. I see four. And one of them looks like the son of God. When they took them out, the only thing that was burnt on their bodies was the ropes that they were tied with. Absolutely impossible. But absolutely doable because of the power of God. And they said their hair wasn't singed, their clothes weren't burned, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Didn't even smell like smoke. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. And my people shall never be ashamed. Now, all of the things that I have mentioned thus far about the children of Israel and where they walked and they were um, ridiculously rebellious and stubborn like sometimes we are. And God said, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to deliver you from this. And this is the way that it's going to be. But we've got to mix faith with it for us because I believe he's saying to us, this is the way that it's going to be. Will you side in with me and allow this to change or will you just side in with yourself and stay on the same old status quo the way it's always been? I believe God has a higher way. He wants us to follow that higher way. God's way is a high way. It's higher than our thoughts. But he's able to do some phenomenal things in our lives. If we'll listen. Now, can you, now here is where I'm wanting to get at. The children of Israel with a promise like this. And when they cross over into it and start walking in it, a lot of us take and, and do things out of guilt. I was in Bible school in Oklahoma, and in one of the classes, 
The Spirit of God spoke something to me, and I hadn't thought about this in years. He said, I want you to serve me out of love, not out of guilt. I want you to serve me out of love, not out of guilt. Sometimes we go to church because so-and-so is going to say something if, I don't, if I'm not there. Wrong motive. Thank God you're in church, but that's the wrong motive. The right motive is love. I want to be in the presence of God, and I want to be around God's people. Now, here the people were, and they had to get past this place. All of the things that they had done were, were things that they were ashamed of. When you get into the presence of God, you're ashamed of being out of the presence of God. But he doesn't want us in that shame. He wants to do something for us. He wants to take the shame away. And if we'll allow him, he will do that. You can't change your past. It's impossible for you to go back and redo it. It's sort of like this. Have you ever said words, words that came out of your mouth, and after you said those words, you wished that you could have eaten all of those words and put them back? And you know, no matter how you feel, you can't put them back. And you realize I just played the part of the fool instead of the part of the wise. And the same way you can't go back and change what's happened in the past. But if we don't side in with God, our past will dictate our future. I refuse to let my past dictate who I am and where I'm going. And they were not ashamed. <clears throat> and I want to tell us right here in this house tonight, God wants to heal those places in us. He wants to deliver us from those places. It blessed me so much. There's one, there's one part in that Hezekiah Walter song that just touches my heart every time I hear it. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God, my healer. God, my healer. Yes, he is. God, my deliverer. Yes, he is. We've got to change. Allow change to come so that we can see something. <coughs> yes, he is. And when you experience, yes, he is, you won't say, yeah, he is. You will say, yes, he is. When you touch and you tap into that line. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you. 
God does not want our past dictating our future. Because your past is not his plan. He's got a plan. The enemy wanted to knock you off of the path. But God wants you. He, he's kept you. You're here tonight. Yes, We're all here tonight. We've all been through things that had ways of derailing us. But you're here. Because God wants to speak some things into our lives. And he's got a mighty work for every one of us to do. And it's a team effort. It's a team effort. They know one man shows. It's a team effort for the things of God. So here's, here's something he said. And they'll not be ashamed. How are they going to not be ashamed? Because God took the shame. God took the shame. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans when he said these words I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation salvation healing deliverance preservation wholeness that's what God sees in the picture for us not broken, whole. Not fragmented, put back together again. Healed, whole. Sound, sound. People used to do this when they would go to buy a horse, and you've seen this on some of the old uh, cowboy movies. Somebody would be trying to sell a horse, and the people would go up to him. <laughs> <laughs> and they would look in the horse's mouth. Anybody want to be a horse? <laughs> they would look in the horse's mouth because that person could tell them anything but that horse's teeth told the whole story. This ain't no three-year-old filly. This is a 15-year-old nag. pick up a picture like that. <laughs> and she said, nay, nay. <laughs> My people will never be ashamed. Never be ashamed. If God has forgiven you, you have nothing 
to be ashamed of. The enemy would tell you, you have everything to be ashamed of. Because he wants your scenery to stay the same. God wants to change the scenery. Here he was, he had to speak this into the children of Israel. They had some of the same hang-ups that we have. They were people just like we are. They went through things just like we do. But God said, I'm not going to leave you like that. But you've got to side in with me. You've got to mix some faith with it. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. And we cry that out sometimes, and we're like this. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. No, if you want your eyes open, you've got to start by faith opening up the eyes of your heart so that you can see what he wants to show us. Amen? Amen. It's the truth. It's the truth. We've got to allow his vision to become our vision. We've got to believe what he says about us more than what we believe has happened to us or what we've been through. I've had to walk through this. Many have had to walk through this different, different, with different people. But I walked through one that literally come to the, almost to the point of killing me emotionally. said before, I listened to T.D. Jakes and he said, how do you know when you're healed? He said, when you can remember everything that went on but the sting of it is gone. And I can honestly say, I glory to God, the sting of it is gone. And the scenery is a whole lot better on this side than it was on that side. And I'm no special case. And he's got it for all of us. Stand with me. Jesus, I lay it all at your feet. You don't want me walking in shame. You want me walking. You want me walking in victory. Because when I walk with you, you're the victor. And I walk in freedom and I walk in victory. I am not going to be controlled by my past. I yield to you to guide me through my future. Oh, Father, it's so bright. It's so wonderful. I speak your blessing on each and every one here. And I say, let's go in the peace and the power of God. And I plead the blood of Jesus over our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.
God bless you.